Epicor is the essential partner to the world's most essential businesses, offering ERP solutions built for growth and operational success. Explore the industry productivity solutions we curate for the automotive, building supply, distribution, manufacturing, and retail industries by visiting epicor.com slash essential. That's E-P-I-C-O-R dot com slash essential. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello, and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Content in this episode is a playback from Montgomery Community Media's Small Business Network, where I interviewed three wildly successful CEOs. Kathy Benson is co-founder and CEO of ORI. Jennifer Collins is president and CEO of JDC Events. And Stacey Redman is founder and CEO of Strategy and Management Services. Our topic was turning obstacles into opportunities. Although this episode was recorded months ago, it carries a lot of weight, especially in light of challenges to address the business impact of COVID-19. The part of Boost we will highlight in this episode is tap into new markets. So let's listen in. First up, the first thing that we all have in common is we are women business leaders. And so this is a question, actually, I'll frame it to you, Stacey, but I'd love for you all to chime in, in as well. What's the biggest challenge that you believe women face in starting a business? Well, many challenges we face, um, beginning with those obstacles, just as women business owners. My company is a technology company, so getting a seat at the table is challenging in and of itself, being women in technology. Uh, I started off with technology during my career in the Army. And this was during the 1980s where women did not look like me entering those fields. So it was very difficult to overcome some of those obstacles. Now we've got STEM programs that are advancing uh, those opportunities for women, and we're seeing women step up and have those opportunities being afforded to them. But it's very challenging. So we have to take our, our girls, and we got to bring them forward, and we got to encourage them that they can be part of this force too. And we have to create those opportunities to bring them forward with us. So what's one practical way when you think about bringing the girls forth and bringing them forward? What's one practical way that each of us can own that process? We create mentoring opportunities for women, and we volunteer our time through various STEM programs out in the community to bring those girls forward um, and to create those opportunities. We sponsor hackathons specifically focused on girls Mm. so that we can bring them forward and show them the opportunities that are available to them for their future. Now, why do you think it is, and, and for technology in particular, why do you think that there are so few girls or that we have to work extra hard to bring them into those conversations as opposed to other professions? Because I think it's just, it's tended to be Mm -hmm. male-dominated. 
Um, and it's just, you know, that gender barrier has been there for so long. So we just have to work hard to overcome that and to let girls know that you can be a part of this too mm-hmm. and to create those opportunities. Sometimes you have to see someone like you in order to know that it's a possibility for you. And we have to create that for them. Awesome. Agreed. <laughs> Ladies, would you like to jump in? As a woman, as a woman in business, like what are, what's been the biggest challenge facing a lot of women starting businesses? Kelly, can I just mention one thing, uh, what Stacy said, in the sense of helping girls and to come more so understanding of where they are, where their place can be. And I think a large part of that, too, is entrepreneurship in as it as a, as a whole in the sense of you can be an entrepreneur that this is an opportunity for you to make a life as someone who runs your own business and whether that means you are one person or whether that means you have 15 employees 25 employees 100 500 employees it doesn't matter but it's that this is an opportunity that you can pursue. I know that there are many colleges now that actually have entrepreneurship programs. Um, When I was in college at the American University, um, we did not have that focus per se, but I know that they now do. Um, So it's just something to elevate in the sense of this is what you can do. It is out here. It is viable. Try it. You very well might like it. Kathy, any thoughts from you, you in know, terms I, of what's I think challenging? One area, and it's similar to what um, you know, Stacy started about, you know, technology and how do you keep up with things and relevant, and how do you continue to grow and learn. You know, I think all businesses are challenged with how do you know what's happening tomorrow when you don't even know what's happening today. And you know, one of the areas I think that most businesses really embrace your um, your community and embrace your network and be involved with groups and organizations so you can go to a colleague and say, I need help with this. Does anybody know who I can talk to, who I can be, who can be a mentor to me, who can give me some guidance? And that's really critical and important as we all continue to grow our businesses, is relying on, you know, relying on your network of friends that we all have. That's so important because it seems like we're in an era where so many people, the, the perception is is that they've made it on there. I'm self-made. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, none of us are really That's truly right. self-made right. when we yeah. peel back the layers of how we navigated that journey. There's always been someone along the way, along the way who's you know, yes. sort of shown us yeah. that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. It takes a village. It does. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we should also look for, you know, taking off of... of um, of the last comment in the sense of the networking, but remember those organizations who are interested in doing business with women, mm-hmm. such as, you know, I'm the vice chair of the board of the Women Presidents Educational Organization, which certifies women to do business with corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are very much accepting and very much um, um, so appreciative of organizations who are willing to invest in us as companies and as businesses. If we do business with you, there's no reason why you should not be doing business with us. If we are women business owners, we have something to offer. We can, you know, fortify your supply chain and and the services and products that we bring to it. So it's important to support them because they would support us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so that brings up a great, it's a segue to a question that I want to ask you, Kathy, and because it's, you've navigated decades of economic downfalls and twists and turns and all these different things. What lessons have you learned through that all in terms of when it comes to scaling for growth and, and navigating those down, ta- those down periods in the name of and also being able to scale at the same time? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And you know, being in business for over thirty two years, we've seen everything, the gamut. We've been up and down. But I think the big thing is knowing when things are down, you need to make changes and you need to adjust. It may not be what you want to have happen, but you need to do it to stay in business. And then on the upside, when you do start to scale and things do start to increase. It's really, um, you know, hiring the right people and putting the trust in those folks. But then also knowing sometimes, well, gee, somebody that you thought was really going to work out, after a while you know, oh, it's, I made a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake and, and to make a change and, and bring somebody else in. And we certainly had our challenges with that, as any company would. But it's, it's a learning. I look at it as a learning experience and take everything that we learn and apply it to the next upturn or downturn that we might have. So let's get real, real talk here, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Because a few months ago, we had a conversation here at Small Business Network around uh, preparing your business for a recession. And, you know, there's few truths that we can live by. But one truth is, is there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And, mm -hmm. and a recession will be coming at some point in time. None of us know when. And having been in business for over 30 years, you know what those down periods look like. Give us an example of a true challenge that you had to navigate during perhaps a recessionary period that, and, and so share the challenge, but then also share the lesson that you were able to walk away yes. with as a result of it. Yeah, we have many. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one that bubbles to the top, it was shortly after, and this really wasn't the recession, but it was after 9-11, and everything, all of our customers just shut down. There was no new work coming out. All the projects we have were put on hold. Well, we were a small business. We needed our money, and I was really honest, and I started calling all of our big customers and saying, listen, you know, I know that you have this other project coming up. Can you give us an advance on the project that you've slated for a couple months from now? Because they do have the res they did have the resources to do that. And my lesson is that it doesn't hurt to ask. And it was a hard phone call for me to make and ask them. But because they valued the work that we provided, they were all willing to give me something to just kind of keep us afloat, to keep the cash coming in. So my lesson there is doesn't, like I said, it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. The only thing you could say is no. And that's smart. And I think part of it is because let's face it, sometimes in business, it's like the ego gets in the way. And it's like, oh, I don't want to ask that because then it looks like I have this need or I have that, you know, I have this yes. gap. And so, but I applaud you for having the courage to ask. Thank you. But it's, you, you know, just help. being honest and I'm very transparent with everybody. And I think honesty and business goes a long way with mm -hmm. employees and with our customers. So a lot of what you shared in that is sort of communication, having that communication and transparency. And so another thing that I would like to ask you is what did you learn about communication styles that challenged you mm -hmm. in, inside of your company as well? That's another good question. You know, when we started, we were all in one location and our employees, we were able to meet with them on a regular basis, just have a stand-up meeting. But as we continued to grow and scale, we had employees located throughout the United States at other locations. And I learned very quickly that my style of communication was not going to work for those out in the field because they needed to hear from me, from our company frequently. They needed a lot more background. They needed to know the why, the how, and the what, not just an announcement saying, oh, this is happening with ORI. And I had to then build the trust with those employees in the field because they started to question, well, why aren't they telling us what's going on with this or that? So that was a real challenge, and I really had to focus on our core values, share those regularly with the employees, but also give them more behind an email and, and tell them why, how, and what. Mm -hmm.
So essentially a part building that corporate culture and the structure and all that good stuff. And yes. knowing knowing your customer and sometimes your customer, or oftentimes we don't think of our customers as being the teams that support the larger vision exactly. and mission. So I would love to ask you, Jennifer, because I know corporate yeah. cultures is big <laughs> for you. It is, it so is. share with us what events spurred the need to focus on building a strong corporate culture in your organization. I can so appreciate what Kathy said in the sense of, I did not focus on a culture, to be quite honest with you. The culture was in my head in the sense of, I knew who we were as a company, and I felt that I knew how the services were being delivered as a company and what did I want and how we communicated with our clients and, and, and all of that, but it wasn't something that was fully translated to our team. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned in that is that when we were going through a strategic planning process, uh, one of the things I learned from the team was that everybody spoke about the company differently when they were out and about in a networking session such as this. Mm -hmm. um, they said something different. And when we came together, that's when I learned it. And I said, oh, well, what are you saying? And then I said, well, what do you say? What do you say? And what I found is that they were speaking to it specifically in terms of the clients that they were supporting. Mm -hmm. And so they knew the type of events that they were performing on behalf of those clients, which was fine, which was great. But it was just not something that was holistic in terms of who we are as a company and how we engage and how we value our clients in, 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 in the delivery of our services and so that was a, a really a wake-up call mm -hmm. in truly mm -hmm. understanding that there needed to be more transparency, communication, mm -hmm. collectively, and understanding of that mission of who we are. And I needed to continue to speak it mm -hmm. so that everybody on the team understood where we were at any given time and who we are and how we deliver. Mm -hmm. So how did you address that? Like, So how did you, once you determined... That, because you said you knew what you wanted it to look right. like, but how? So what was that process? Take us through that. Well, the process then was to really start to speak it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. In our meetings, mm -hmm. we would talk about our vision, mm -hmm. the company vision. When somebody did something great and wonderful, we would liken that back to our value systems of who we are as a company. Mm -hmm. You performed well. That's very much in line with who we are. And, you know, good on you, you know, for getting mm -hmm. that done. That's great. And so it was the consistency of the message. Mm -hmm. And so, and that had to be carried through at all times. Right. So that was with clients, um, that was in our company, that was just when we're sitting in the lunchroom or in our meeting room talking, it, it was something that just had to be always top of mind, mm -hmm. as well as giving out materials mm -hmm. related to it, mm -hmm. brochures of who we are, or just, you know, cheat sheets, information that the, the employees can have to make sure that they understood. But I, I would say mostly it was a communications issue to continue to keep that at the forefront of people because we get busy in our work, right? We get busy, and so, but yeah. we we have to, as the leader, you have to bring it back to the center so that everybody understands and can make sure to execute. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Stacey, because you have like you have a large team, like your team is deployed in different mm -hmm. places. Sure. So, from a cultural perspective, how have you been able to navigate some of those challenges? Because it's it's easier, and all of you have teams yeah. that are just dis are dispersed, and so dispersed. you know, mm -hmm. gone are the days where everyone's kind of huddled in in one right. particular place. So it's almost it becomes more of a challenge because it's like, how do I know that everybody's on the same page? So, having a dispersed team, how have you been able to have a cohesive 
sort of corporate Yeah, culture. I would definitely echo some of what Kathy and what Jennifer said, is that that constant communication, and that's just not in emails or newsletters. Mm -hmm. uh, you physically have to be there. So I make a point of traveling to those locations, not only to check in on the clients, but to check in on the employees and to see how they're doing and to ask how they're doing and to, uh, you know, that constant communication what is really happening out there so you can pulse the organization and live those mission, vision, values? What is happening out there? Do they know it? Do they, do they have the story of the company? Mm. Because if they can't tell the story, then we're not hyper-focused on our growth mm. and we're going in different directions. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's job in the company is to sell. Right. Yeah. Everyone's job. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people just had an epiphany hearing you saying that. <laughs> because, you know, organizationally, oftentimes most people think, oh, I'm not in sales. Right. I'm not yeah. Everyone is That's in not, sales. you know, I'm the receptionist Everybody's or something. It's like, no, one. we're all yeah. Yeah. Everyone in is in sales. Yeah. yeah. Because you could have, be at the grocery store, you could have your lanyard on. Mm -hmm. And someone says, what is Sam's? You better be prepared to tell that story. And so everyone is in sales. Yeah. We're constantly recruiting. We're constantly looking for great staff. We're telling our story. You have to be prepared at all times. So you have to know that story. Right. You have to, and you want to recruit great people. You know, we deal with forward-thinking clients. So we want forward-thinking employees. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, you have yeah. to communicate, communicate, communicate. Yeah. And I think so much of it goes back to self-awareness also. So I want to ask you specifically, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned around emotional intelligence as a CEO? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because I think, and I don't want to stereotype, but I, I think that for me as a woman, I tend to under-celebrate the wins, mm. right? Because sometimes it seems very egotistical, Right. Um, so I under-celebrate the wins, you know, oh, that was great. And I think I've devalued some of those successes as a result. And although I'm very appreciative, I don't want to minimize that, super appreciative, but that sometimes that comes with criticism, and that hurts. You don't want to be criticized, right? That's not what I signed up for, especially when you're doing great things, right? Um, so I think that I've missed some of those opportunities to really celebrate wins. And in 2020, I'm going to celebrate those wins. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. Right? Exactly. So we're going to hold you to it. Hold me, make me accountable. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to open up the floor to questions so you can make your way to the mic. But I would like to, on that, that same no, I want to like frame the question for the rest of you all because I think it's as as a woman, oftentimes we do kind of marginalize mm -hmm. impact. Mm -hmm. And so, do you all find yourselves sort of have you struggled through yes. this? Yes. Okay, yes. we've got to do better about yes. celebrating Absolutely. the wins. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and you're always thinking about why well, I got this to do. There's this you know delivery that tomorrow or this big project, and you kind of just move on to the next thing yeah. right. without really slowing down and, and celebrating. And I'm yeah. with you, Stacy. We need to do more of that. So you're yeah. going to be my accountability <laughs> partner? Okay. <laughs> All right. Awesome. First question. 
Kelly knows that I'm always up here for a question. <laughs> Hi, my name's Sylvia Henderson. Mind Team Solutions is the company. As a woman, as a leader, period, yet as a woman leader, and for some a minority female leader, I found that breaking barriers, that getting into the group, that networking is exhausting, mm -hmm. being the only one or being representative. So how do you, what's the internal mindset that you have? How do you recharge? What do you say to yourself to then present yourself as that leader? Mm. Any of you. Yeah. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. I think that's a great question. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something where we can't be everywhere. Um, and so what I have done is I have been very strategic about the types of organizations that I believe would best help me as a business owner um, to further my business, but also for me to be able to give as well. And so I've really looked at those organizations, like I'm doing an audit right now, a personal audit. At the end of every year, I do an audit mm -hmm. of where I spent my time for the past year. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to understand what the returns were on it in the sense of what I was able to give as well as what I was able to receive from it as well. Because I believe that the receiving is in the giving. That's, that's mm -hmm. how I think. And so I want to give as much as I can. And so if I've decided that that particular organization or area that I was focusing on is really just not the right fit anymore, maybe it's just ran its course, then I move on. But it's, I think it's important in the sense of really knowing your value, your personal value, what you can bring to the table, who you are as not only a company but as a person, and figuring out what organizations would best represent what you could bring to the table. Because if you're not there, you won't have a voice. And so it's important for you to, regardless of who is at the table, to make sure that your seat is there as well. Yeah, Stacy, Kathy. I think that's really good. She's, she <laughs> I covered under everything, so doing yeah, that audit yeah. would be really easy. That's yeah. great. I yeah. love that idea. And I agree with Jennifer. Yeah. You can't be every place and really see value with it, but it's really doing that assessment and what is providing the most to give and take. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Joe Weech, founder of Exemplary Consultants, and I would love to ask you all about imposter syndrome. Mm. Have you had this, and how did you overcome it, or how are you still overcoming it? Define it for me, imposter like syndrome. Yeah. Okay, that what? means that you don't fully appreciate and understand your value and what you bring to the table. Mm. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've overcame that. <laughs> I, I don't. It doesn't seem real. I, I mean, I if I were to go, you know, thirty, forty years ago and say, "Did you ever envision that this is where you would be?" The answer would be no, um, coming from where I came from and my background. So, you know, that's why it seems surreal where I am today and. How much I cherish what is happening to me right now. Um, so I, I don't think so. Yeah, not for me. Well, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about um, when Stacy was speaking is when you mentioned knowing your value. Like for instance, what that said to me is I remember years ago when I this was years ago when I first started the business. Um, there was there were certain work clients that I would take on. 
because I wanted to grow my company. Mm -hmm. And so this was before I got into the government. I have you know, long-term now government contracts, which has helped to really grow my company. But prior to that, I was doing work with associations in corporate, which I still do at this time. And so I was looking for just, I was taking whatever would come in because I wanted to grow my company. But what that did is you had nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. because it was a race to the bottom in many instances in the sense of the cost structure was not advantageous. Yeah. But I needed to grow my company, and so I wanted to do it, and so I would take and take. But then that got old because you then found, well, I'm not really able to pay all my bills that well, to pay my people that well. I don't really feel as though I'm getting that ahead. I'm spending all this time and effort you know, exhausting myself and my company and the team doing what we're doing. We're doing exceptional work. We need to be paid more for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so that helped to really translate in the sense of who we are as a company, what we can do, the value that we have, the service that we bring. And so we stopped accepting those clients. And we moved on to bigger clients because we were able to confidently walk away knowing that we brought more to the table than, than some of these clients were willing to provide. So you've got to have that confidence in who you are as a company and what yeah. you are able to deliver and knowing full well that there is going to be another door that opens when that one closes. Mm -hmm. And often it's going to be bigger and better because you're going to spend just as much effort on the smaller items as you do on the larger ones. Spend your time on the larger mm -hmm. and that's going to take you further faster. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts from you, Kathy? You know, I agree with everything that Jennifer and Stacy have both said. And, and I think the one thing to just keep in mind is that everything evolves and changes and similar mm -hmm. to what you know Jennifer just said that um, where you start isn't always where you end up and mm -hmm. then you use it as a building block and you keep just growing from there and and understanding where your value is most appreciated and served. Yeah absolutely next question. <laughs> so I'm Sandra Eberhard executive director of WPEODC so I know these folks really well mm -hmm. and I know that each of them over the last several years have gone through a major pivot mm -hmm. for your organization, mm -hmm. which is um, challenges face you in, in your company, and then you have to make a pivot, right? Yeah. Can you, any of you talk about that pivot and what caused you to make that pivot? Sure. Why? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, so we pivoted actually in January of this past year. Well, this year, we're still in it. Um, and we were graduating from the 8A program, and um, was similar to your story, Jennifer, we took on a lot of clients in the 8A program uh, just by, hey, can you do this? Yes, we're building a book of revenue. Yes, we can do it, and did it very well. Very responsive and took on a lot of work. What we found, uh, what I found was that I lost my passion for the business, and I lost my purpose for starting the business. And I realized this about three years ago. And when I began to realize this, um, you know, it was it was a wake up call for me because I got to the point where I was like, "Wait a second, <laughs> you you've risked everything, your family, your house, your you know, because you're, you're putting everything on the line for the business." And I had to, you know, make a decision: Is this the way you want to go forward, or what do you want to do? And I said, no, uh, you know, the passion is still there, but the purpose is lost. So let's go back to the purpose. So I said, all right, what are we going to do? And I realized I had derailed the business. So to get the wheels back on, I said, we have to divest ourselves of clients that don't make sense, mm -hmm. right? And so we started 
ridding ourselves of those clients, um, those clients that, you know, <laughs> those and, you know, just didn't make sense, right? Um, so that allowed us to really focus on that purpose and that passion mm-hmm. and to get our heads back in the game and to start to work on building those engineering solutions that are saving lives. And to, you know, build that company where we're going to be known for something that doesn't exist yet mm. um, and really begin to get hyper-focused on what we're going to do. Um, so it uh, is very exciting. Yes. And, um, you know, we're really excited about going into 2020 and, and being hyper-focused and really having that purpose and that passion back. And we are excited to celebrate with you in 2020. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Boost Podcast. I hope what you heard today will help you to build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to share the podcast with your family and your friends. And while you're at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. For more information on me or any of the other services that we provide, feel free to head over to our website, kellytleonard.com. I look forward to catching up with you again on the next episode of the Boost Podcast. Epicor is the essential partner to the world's most essential businesses, offering ERP solutions built for growth and operational success. Explore the industry productivity solutions we curate for the automotive, building supply, distribution, manufacturing, and retail industries by visiting epicor.com essential. That's E-P-I-C-O-R dot essential.